This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Some of you uh, may have been here. A few weeks ago, we went to student camp. Um, and I wanted to give just a super brief recap of that because it's going to kind of go with um, what the Word of God is going to show us today. Um, but we took uh, four leaders and five students, and we went up into the mountains of Estes Park, Colorado. Um, it was both a beautiful time of location. If you've ever been anywhere in Rocky Mountain National Park, it's amazing. If you've ever been anywhere near any mountain ever, mountains are just cool. Okay, the way like the clouds kind of like roll over them and like don't touch the rock, but you see them just kind of, I don't know, there's so many things about the mountains that are really cool. Um, so the physical location was great. Um, we also had a really good time, at least I feel like. There are a few students who went here, uh, so ask them. Um, and maybe they'll tell you a different story, um, but they're liars. It was good. Um, we had a good time. Uh, some locals uh, led worship. I didn't realize it, but uh, Jimmy McNeil from Austin Stone led worship. Uh, been a lot of events where Jimmy leads worship. If you're not familiar with uh, him, I just I, I think he's a great worship leader. I love that he was there to lead our students. Um, and I, I would say that the Lord touched the hearts of every uh, leader and of every student in some way. So if you're ever curious, go ask them. I think it would be um, a really great thing to do. Now, there's, there's this one hike. Uh, this is our third year in a row going uh, to camp with 121 up in Grapevine. Um, third and final year. Bum, bum, bum. Um, but uh, we had, we did, there's this one hike that we've done every year. Last year, I think we did it like three or four times. Um, is anybody in here a hiker? Anybody? Anybody in here hate hiking and doesn't understand the concept? Yeah, I talked to, I knew y'all didn't. There's a few. Like, why would you want to go walk for a long time just to look at a view you can Google? Is that kind of the thought? Yeah, and today's, uh, look, listen, uh, look, I'm sure I could probably, like, Google, like, VR peak of some 14er, I don't even know, and you could literally just be standing on the mountains, place a fan in front of you with a little, have your friends spray mist you, and you've probably got the feeling of what it's like pretty darn close. So I don't blame you, but I, I love hiking. My wife and I love traveling. We love hiking because uh, I think there's a lot of cool things in nature. But this one hike is called the Bible Point Hike, and it takes you up to this peak. I'd say it's a moderate hike. Uh, for the hikers in the room, you will agree. For those who hate hiking, you're going to be like, that sounds like a lot. Um, it's a 1.3 mile round trip, but that's from the start. And I've always told people the worst part about this hike is you have to hike to start the hike. Like you have to start from your cabins and walk for a mile to get to the start of the hike on just flat, non-pretty land between cabins, whatever. Uh, well, 1.3 miles and a 528-foot elevation gain. So uh, up and then back down. So hikers, does that sound moderate? Like 1.3-mile round trip, like 500. That's like, that's like a hike. It's nothing to shy at. For those of you who don't hiking, you're like 500 how many feet? Yes. Um, but anyway, so we've done that a lot. Um, and I, Coop, you can go ahead and come on up. What works really great when you're doing this with young people, who's going to read our scripture? Um, did you get the mic? Yeah, you did. Okay, great. Um, what works really great with students on this hike is about every, I don't know, you, you, can, you can come all the way up here, yeah. About every 800 or so yards, I would guess, um, there is a scripture verse on a little plaque. And you can stop and read it and overlook uh, the view. So uh, Coop, one of our students, is going to read this scripture uh, for us, and it'll be up on the screens. Oh, wait, I have to add. Uh, this is also the view from where we read this. So one of the plaques re is Psalm 8, verses 3 through 5. I think it's only part of it, yeah. Um, but this is the view that you have. I took this photo while we were there of the mountains when you read this. So Coop, if you will read this scripture for us. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all of it. 
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes and still the enemy of the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and, all be and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Sick. Thanks, Scoop. Fine, I didn't warn him. Um, so, Coop actually shared with me. Um, here, if actually, can you leave that picture up there? Is that possible where it didn't have the scripture? Or it can have the scripture, I don't care. Uh, Coop shared with me, actually, that this is, oh, look, it's me and the picture. Um, that this is one of his favorite scriptures, especially along this path. And how can it not be, right? Like, when this is your view, sorry, people who don't like to hike, this is cooler than sitting in the AC. It, it automatically is, it wins. Like, looking at all these, like, snow-capped peaks with clouds rolling over and down down in here there's also uh the big t it's a river the big the thompson river that runs through there um you can hear it like you also hear the cars on the road in the background but you can hear the water rush like it's so amazing and it's hard not to blame Cooper. he's like yeah dude i like i love that verse like standing and, I, and i'll read it again standing uh there and hearing when i look at your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? And, I, I'm, spoiler, this verse is talking about this. It's talking about God's creation. Um, and I've heard it in its totality before, but I, I, whenever we were going to go through the Psalms, this is one that really struck me, especially having just come back from camp, that I think we could all, um, I think that God, the Lord could really impact us. So, uh, thanks, you can pull that picture down now. So today we're going to look at the totality of Psalm 8, um, and I want to pray for us before we do. Um, so we'll bow our heads. Jesus, your word um, is so beautiful um, and so complex, especially when we think about reading a poem in a language that isn't spoken anymore. Um, so Jesus, I pray that as we do that, um, you show us the power of your majesty, um, that just like when we see the sun, moon, and the stars, and we see how wonderful you are, um, Jesus, we can look at your word um, and see the beauty and wonder of who you are. Um, so, Father, impact us, Jesus. Um, be with us, and Holy Spirit, guide us. Amen. Um, well, if you know me, um, I'm not, a, like, a smart person. But I'm a nerd when it comes especially to Old Testament things. Um, uh, I like to brag that I took uh, two years of Hebrew in college, uh, only because I was forced to with my degree. Um, but Hebrew is a really neat language. There's a lot of cool things um, about it. So before we really walk through this verse, and normally I do this while we're kind of talking about the passage, but I want us to just get like some background information to start us. So the first thing I, wanted, I want to show you is this hierarchy chart. I don't know what to call it. Um, I'll stand this way. So this hierarchy chart. And if we, as we read through this scripture, we get this like visual representation of uh, 
where things are placed. Okay, so in verse 1, it says that uh, God has set his glory, God's glory, above the heavens, or heavenly beings. Uh, and we, that's from the rest of the verse. Uh, verse 5 says that man is a little bit lower than the heavenly beings. And then verse 6 says that God had given man dominion over uh, all of creation, and it describes a bunch of animals. So the first thing that I, I want us to see, and this is really going to help us here in the end, I'm closer to this TV, so I look here, but it looks weird on the screen, um, is that uh, there is this placement of creation, uh, of existence. And we have God and God's glory over the heavens or the heavenly beings. And then those heav the heavens or the heavenly beings are over man. And then man is over all of creation. So as we walk through, know that Psalm 8 has this picture of the things that are existence and where they kind of land on a hierarchy chart. Like I said, I don't know how to explain it other than a hierarchy. Um, the next thing I want to do, and you can pull that down now, thank you so much, um, is some vocab. There's some really cool things with the Hebrew language, especially when we're talking about poetry uh, here in the Psalms, that we get. Um, so I want to walk us through those things that I think will really help us understand exactly what uh, David was saying. So in verse 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord. Immediately when I read that, I said, I bet that's not the same word. I bet it's not in Hebrew, O Lord, our Lord. I bet you it's two different words. Um, so I challenge you, you don't have to have studied Hebrew. There's this thing called the interlinear Bible. You can Google it, and you can say Psalm 8 interlinear, and it pops it up in Hebrew, and then above it, it has what the exact, like, literal translation of that word is, and then you can click on it, and it brings up a reference of every time that that exact uh, usage of that word is in Scripture, and you can compare it to other texts and how we translate it in English for its, from its very complicated Hebrew throughout Scripture. It's a really cool thing. So you don't have to be like a Bible scholar. It's really fun to do. I'm not smart. I didn't know what words it used. I just looked it up. Um, so whenever it says in verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, the first Lord is Yahweh. He is addressing God via his name. O Yahweh, God. And then he says, our Lord, Aduninu. Anybody know if I pronounce that wrong? No, just say it with confidence. Uh, it says, O Yahweh, our Aduninu, God. Now this word, when you click on how it's used in the rest of scripture, is usually used in reference to describe a human. It's not used in reference to talk about God. It's talking about a master a ruler. So David himself, writing this psalm, would have been referred to Aduninu, our Lord, all the time, because he was the king. So what verse 1 is saying is that, and this is what's really powerful, is that David is looking at God. He's saying, O oh God, by your name, title, all of our master. David, the one who's in charge of all of God's people, saying, O oh Lord, the one who's above me, how majestic is your name? That's so cool. That is so cool, and I think it gives context to what we're going to find as we go throughout this. Um, verse 2, um, I'm curious. Mine says, out of the mouth of babies and infants. Does anybody's version say anything different than that? What does yours say? Okay, children and infants. Does anybody use uh, maybe a funny-sounding word? Sucklings. That's, that's kind of an interesting phrase to use there. But it says, 
And, but that, that's like, honestly, I think a, a more accurate for our understanding representation of his word is he says, out of the mouth of sucklings, you have ordained strength over your enemies. That's so cool. It's not, it's not the verse in its original language isn't necessarily like, oh, like, because babies are so cute. It's like, no, the sound of them gurgling on their mother's milk while they clumsily try to eat silences enemies. That's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, and continuing in verse two, um, whenever it says that he has ordained uh, or established strength. Um, wait, where is it? Yes, so that ordained or established strength isn't like, oh, it is more powerful. It's that God placed power in that sound, which is really great. Uh, as we go down to verse four, uh, he says, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? I work with students. I like talking. So what do you, like interaction, what do y'all think that the son of man is in reference to? Or maybe what do we hear it in reference to most throughout the Bible? Jesus. Okay, so we hear the Son of Man being used for Jesus. Have we heard it used for any other terms? A human. Okay, so what do we think this is in reference to? Any ideas? You think it's mankind? Michael's right. Good job. Everybody clap for Michael. You don't have to. That's weird. <laughs> um, so whenever, what's really cool is David gets personal first. Whenever he says, what is man? That's talking about the singular form. He is referencing one man. So David is being introspective here, and he says, what is man? Who am I that you are mindful of me? And then the plural, the son of man, and who is all of humanity that you would care for him? And then I read that word care. I was like, that's interesting. So I went to the website, clicked on it, Y'all know what this word is also translated throughout most of the Old Testament as? Visiting. Is someone, did you say visiting? It says visiting, yeah. So he says, who am I that you are mindful of me? And who is humanity that you visit him? So cool, I love it. Let's keep going. Uh, verse five, um, whenever I read this, it made him a little lower than heavenly beings. Um, knowing the Old Testament perspective, my brain was like, is he talking about angels or the stars? I don't know if anybody else's brain went there, but I was like, heavenly beings is, is often references into like the stars and the things that were below the firmament. Um, it's talking about angels. Uh, all, the, all the little road maps and all the clicks and all the usages are talking about angelic beings here. So he is saying, you have not made him a little lower than the stars. This isn't like a literal placement. Oh, stars are above our heads. But whenever uh, David is making this recognition here, he's saying we are just below angels. That is exactly what that word means. Um, verse 6 uh, says that we had given dominion over the works of his hands, um, also described as under the feet of, so which helps kind of with that chart. He's saying like you have placed all of creation under the feet of humanity. Um, and then my last one here, before we really walk through the scripture, um, are verses 7 and 8. And I'm not even going to go to the Hebrew here. I just want to make sure we can point out how cool exactly what it is that, that um, David says. So in verse 7, what does it say that uh, the Lord has given dominion over to for people? What does it say? It says three things, at least in my translation. Nice and loud. What was one of them? I heard it. Sheep. What was another thing? What was another thing? 
beasts of the field. All right, now let's look at verse eight. I think there's also three things. So what does it say? Wait, what was, I heard birds. Yeah, what was the other thing? What was the other thing? Things that pass through the waters. So like, we don't really know what they are, but there's things down there. And that's what's so cool is David here doesn't just say like, oh, you've given dominion over farm animals and over like deer, so like you can use them for food. That's not what David's saying here. David's saying like, Lord, how majestic is your name? You placed man just below the heavenly beings. You have placed him above, the, yeah, the oxen and the sheep. The sheep are our, like timid little farm animals. Oxen are really powerful things that make the farm run. Like if it wasn't for them, they could not have produced in the way that they did. So he's saying, oh, over the gentle farm animal and the powerful one. But above that, the beasts of the field, the bears, you have given him us dominion over. And then we go to the verse eight, and it says the birds of heaven and the fish of the sea. Uh, Taylor did this really cool thing for our students where uh, we sent in our favorite book because we're talking about reading the word. Uh, or just our favorite book in general. She talked about the genre and then what book from the Bible matches that genre and suggested, hey, this is what everybody should try reading. It was really neat, really cool. And Coop got, wait, yeah? I got Jonah, you got Job. And what's really cool is, and I said I wasn't gonna talk about it, I'm gonna be quick. Uh, near the end of Job, God is describing his power to Job. Spoiler, go over there. And he says, who, he said, do you, can, can you grab the Leviathan by its nose? Do you control it? He goes on to describe this beast like the, the Lord God does, says his back is plated with armor that even air can't penetrate. Sparks and fire launch out of its mouth when it roars. This beast of the deep, he says, you do not have power to tame this beast. But the Lord God has given us dominion, not the power to overcome, not that we can just look at a Leviathan or look at an ox and be like, hey, ox, I'm in charge of you now. But the Lord has given us dominion and given us guidance to rule over not only the fish, not only the birds, but every beast of the deep. God has placed us over. So those are a few of the word things that I wanted us to kind of have in our head so that as we read through this, um, we can really see like what it is that David was worshiping the Lord for and uh, how we can go about our lives differently based on how David was worshiping God. All right, so as we walk through it, I have most often seen this passage in reference to the beauty of nature. Example, you're on a hike, and whenever you get to the big mountain overlook, boom, there it is on a plaque. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name. When I think of your creation, the sun, moon, and stars, who am I, right? Has anybody ever seen this in a scenario like that? Or maybe like, I don't know, I don't know if motivational posters are things anymore, but like maybe your Sunday school groom had like a poster of like the sun, or a poster of the Milky Way. Like when I think of and when I read this verse, that's first and foremost uh, what I've experienced. Um, and that's absolutely what this verse is saying. When you go through it, nature is showing the wonders of a perfect and majestic God through the stars, the mountains, the animals, and etc. That is absolutely true. But we're missing out on something so big that this is where the majesty of the Lord ends with us. If we see it just in his earthly creation. So let's go back to verse two. What did you say the word that it used for yours again was? Sucklings. So I'm gonna read that one again for us. It says that out of the mouth of babies and infants or sucklings, 
you have established or placed strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. So, verse 1, Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Your majesty is viewed in the suckling of a baby. David's first recognition of the majesty of the Lord was not, look at the sun, look at that giant, like I was, uh, I was complaining, as most of you probably were this week, when I got into my car at nine o'clock and I was sweating bullets. I was like, this is ridiculous. It's so early and it's so hot. And it was while I was preparing the sermon, and I could think, I was like, man, how like incredible is it? that the earth is placed in this perfect distance from the sun, this giant flaming ball of plasma or whatever it is, so that we are at this perfect temperature that I can complain about being too hot because it is. A heat index of over 115 is ridiculous. But we are placed in this to where our ozone is perfectly like contained and there's the right amounts of oxygen and carbon monoxide and the tilt is just right of the axis. You know what? Don't, okay, whatever, of elements in the air. I don't, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a smart person. I just know some things. And that like the tilt of the axis is just right so that we don't go wobbling and we don't fly off into space. Like there's so many things. The majesty of the Lord, like as I began sweating, I was like, wow, like God is amazing. As much as I hate like this heat, like there's really something amazing about God. But that's not what David first mentioned. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name from the gurglings of an infant that can't do anything and is struggling to find milk, silences the enemy and the avenger. That is so, so cool to me. And it's in this truth where David says, you know, Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name. The sound of infants gurgling for milk silences the enemy that he begins to reflect on himself. The thought of that, and he says, man, babies scream your majesty and then I look up at the sun moon and the stars and who am I that you are mindful of me see the psalm speaks of the majesty of God found in nature um, I want to show y'all in a second a video from camp um, there was a crazy night it was really long I went to bed at 1230 woke up at 145 and hadn't slept and I was just working on some stuff on my computer after I got through helping the things I needed help with in the lobby, and I looked out of the corner of my eye, and I saw the sunrise hitting the mountains, and I thought, that looks really cool. I'm going to go take some pictures, so I walked over with my camera, and as I was, like, setting my low-light settings, if you're a photographer, you know what I'm talking about, like, doing all the things, making sure it's right, I look up, and this is what I see right here. those of you who don't know, that is an elk, not a moose. I've gotten that question a lot. Is that not cool? Oh my gosh. I was, I was so, like, if you don't know me, if, like, I'm, a, I'm an outdoor guy. I love hiking. I said that. I love fishing. I love hunting. Anything, anytime I can be in wilderness. And to be standing there and look and seeing that animal, I was just like, Whew. and y'all saw it there, the same view from the top of the peak. You've got the mountains in the background. The early morning fog is starting to clear, so it's like the closer mountains are really clear, but as you get farther and farther away, they're a little harder. Oh, y'all, I was like, 
And I'm not a videographer, but I switched it to video, and I was like, I'm going to do something with this because this is way too pretty. And I saw that, and I was just blown away. And I really felt verses 3 through 4 here. Man, I looked at that elk. This, like, close to 1,000 pounds, probably like 800 pounds. And if you don't know elk, that is an absolute stud trophy bull. Like, that is a massive elk. I saw the mountains in the background. Heard the birds chirping in the morning. I was like, man, how majestic is your name? Who the heck am I? Some sweaty, tired dude with a camera. Like, that you're mindful of me. I look at that thing like, man, that streams the majesty of God to me. And as I looked out, I think I saw that in some of y'all's eyes. You're like, whoa. The other thing I realized is at one point I looked up and I was like, I'm standing way too close to this animal. Uh, uh, I've switched cameras. I have a 50 millimeter lens and that wasn't cropped. So if you know videography, you're like, oh, I was standing about 25 feet from this thousand pound elk. It was really stupid. But also he lives on the camp. So like kids go walk up to him all the time. I don't think he would have attacked me, but he's also a wild giant thousand pound bull elk. So uh, don't do that kids. Um, but, I, but I look at that and I was like, man, that, whew, how majestic is your name and all of the world. And that was just, that was it for me. That, however, is not the absolute main focus of this psalm. But I saw it while I was at camp. This is the majesty of the Lord. Claire. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't cue you as well for that one. Yeah, the next one. This is what God says shows his majesty in all of the world. <laughs> his kids hiding right now. <laughs> I said we had a good time at camp, right? I meant it. We had a good time. I love you, Michael. <laughs> That's the majesty. Now, if, I, if that would have been a video of me, I wouldn't have felt like that was a majesty, Lord. But I think we can all agree the first thing that came to mind when we saw that was like, man, the Lord is magnificent. Uh, and we chuckle, right? And that's how I feel. Because I stood there that, that morning, maybe, I don't remember, um, looking at that elk. And I was like, whoa, like that. That's it. And then we're playing wreck and everybody's waking up and we're standing in a long line for a breakfast. That's not the best thing in the world and we're doing all that. And in any of that process, my mind was never like, man, the Lord is magnificent and wonderful. I was like, man, this line's too long and we're way too close to the sun and I'm getting sunburned. That's what was going through my mind. And I think we all kind of go through our lives if we're being honest with ourselves. Like for those of you who like to hike, you get to a river valley or you get to the mountain peak or you get to whatever view, you're like, wow, this is amazing. And for those of you who don't like to hike, you walk inside a house and that AC hits you right in your face. You're like, oh man, the Lord is good. But I don't know how often we look at ourselves or at one of each other, one each other, we say, man, the Lord, his majesty may be known in all of the world. But this is what David is being drawn towards. He references the sun, moon, and stars. And he says, who am I that you are mindful of me? But when we have that chart, if we remember, it says that the Lord has placed us a little lower than angels 
and given us dominion over his creation. Yes, creation absolutely screams the glory of God. I don't expect you to see the video of an elk or to be in nature, any of that stuff, and be like, oh, God's not very impressive. No, it absolutely does scream the glories of God. But what David is reflecting on, even in his uh, verse 4 of saying, who am I that you are mindful of me, is that the majesty of the Lord is present in us. So, I don't know about y'all, but I definitely tend to see God's glory more so in nature than I do in a mirror. When I look in a mirror, all I see is an average dude who out of one out of eight billion currently walking around the world, like, I'm not even the standout human in any given room, much less the standout human amongst all eight billion that are alive right now, not even considering the thousands of years of human history. Right now, I'm not anywhere near the most impressive of those eight billion plus people. But man, like that elk, that thing screamed the majesty of the Lord. And when I saw it, it could have been a cow elk, it could have been a baby elk, it could have been a squirrel. Or I guess there's a lot of prairie dogs. And I'd be like, man, that's so cool. It's so easy for me to see the majesty of the Lord and his creation, but not so in me. But what was it that silenced the enemy? Was it an elk's bugle through a mountain draw? Was it being the most physically impressive person in a room or having sound biblical knowledge or this super passionate walk with the Lord void of any failures? No, it's a baby stumbling, trying to find its mother's breast so that it can eat. That is what silences the enemy. So I want us to read, uh, no, I'm going to do that again at the end. I, I nixed that. I put it in parentheses, maybe not do this. So the question is, then how is God's glory present in me more than in the wonders of his creation, right? If David is saying, Lord, how majestic is your name? The sun, moon, and the stars, it screams creation. But man, a baby drinking milk, that's it. Who am I that you are mindful of me, man? But you have placed me just below the heavenly beings. How is that truth evident? Um, I'm gonna do something that I think we should do a lot more in church, but also it makes me really uncomfortable to do. For some reason, reading a lot of scripture at one time is weird, but I'm, we're gonna do it. We're gonna read Hebrews 1 and 2. Not verses 1 through 2, but Hebrews 1 and 2. To help us answer this question, how is it that we show the majesty and glory of God more so than maybe those things around us that we see it easier in? It's not going to be on the screen, so I'll give you all a second if you want to flip to it or pull up on your phone, um, because I don't want you to just trust the words I'm saying. I could be reading anything out of here. So I'm going to give you all a minute uh, to get there. Um, that way you all can read along with me. Um, but when I was studying this with Psalm 8, I was originally just going to talk about Hebrews 2 because it quotes it. But then I realized this whole section really, I think, brings together how it is that God's glory is fully made known throughout all of the world, and his name is known through us. So starting in Hebrews 1.1, it says this. Long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by his word of his power, by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, 
having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels, uh, he makes his angels win, winds and his ministers and he meant what when I said remember when I said the, the word is confusing to read even though I've read this a million times he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire but of the sun he says your throne O God is forever and ever the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom and you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up. Like a garment they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Continuing chapter two. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. For it was not angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, when put everything in subjection under him, or subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the sufferings of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source this is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers saying I will tell you I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God, and the children God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and delivers all those through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he has helped the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, 
so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Can you put that chart back up there for us, that last one? So as we see in this, when we walk throughout Hebrews 1, it really brings this chart. If you were listening, it talks about the placement of these things. See, Jesus was above the heavenly beings, and it said that he created all of the heavens and all of mankind and all of creation. Jesus was up here, fullness of God's glory. But he lowered himself, skipped the heavens and the heavenly beings, and became like us. He shared in flesh and blood and made himself a brother to us. Then through death, he destroyed the one who has the power of death. And it said that he who sanctifies, I love this verse so much. He who sanctifies and the ones who need sanctifying all have one source now. Then he ascended back up to God's glory, seated at the right hand with the father, not only as our savior, but still as our brother. God's glory isn't present through us. Sorry, Michael, because of how magnificent we look dancing in the mountains. It is. We bear the image of God, but more so than the physical image of God. God's glory is present in us because of what Jesus did for us. He descended to be like a brother right here with us. No difference in us. And then through his death and resurrection, ascended back up to God's glory. And as, his, as our brother, everyone in here, as our brother, he can bring us to God's glory. We are the majesty, the presence of the majesty of God on earth because of what Jesus has done for us. Um, I feel like it's, it's, I see it in my notes, it's noteworthy to save it. Um, that, that moment earned Mike the nickname Mikey Moneybags. Um, I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, I feel like it was just, it, but it's like, but we may, we, it's not the presence of how Mikey Moneybags looks while he's dancing or anything like that. It is Jesus within us. As a believer, we bear the image of God and have the holiness of Jesus upon us. God calls us to bear the majesty of his name in all of the earth. And that's not done by some power or some appearance, but by as um, Romans 6.10 says, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave when you believe in Christ lives within you. You are the ultimate bearer of God's majesty. So, there's two people I think in this room and I'm address each of us. As a believer, we bear the image of God, fullness, holiness of Jesus upon us. And God calls us to bear that majesty on earth. So, if we walk in our lives, or even out here today, not feeling that, not, not understanding that like we get to be the presence of the majesty of God throughout all of the earth, and we get to proclaim that name louder than any mountain ever could, then either uh, we don't like truly believe that the Holy Spirit has taken up a residence in our lives and has made us a new creation, or we struggle to believe that our sin is really greater than Christ's salvation and sanctification for us. And I, I told y'all, 
that whole week I didn't look at people seeing the glory of God's creation. I don't look at a mirror. This isn't me going, ha, you are not good. This is me saying, I don't think I truly understand what the Holy Spirit living in my heart does to me. I don't think I do. I don't think I walk going, wow, like I have God within me and I get to be his presence to everything that I come and encounter with. So maybe this is just a sermon to me and all of y'all are looking like, dude, we've got this. And if so, that's great. I'm glad that the Lord has done that in your lives and I, I pray that he changes me. But I think there's might be a lot of us um, that maybe either truly don't understand what the Holy Spirit has done for us or we look at ourselves and our sin and we go, yeah, I know Jesus sanctifies, but he's got a lot of work to do. Or maybe you are the person that is, that is living in that. But either way, what I want us to know is we are the ultimate bearer of God's majesty. And it doesn't take a, a grand Bible knowledge. It takes being an infant struggling to find food. Boom, that's the majesty of the Lord. He is in, uh, right. So if, if we bear it in our embassy, how much more is his sanctification for us? And then the second would be, is that if you don't really believe in this whole God thing, maybe you don't, it's cool. I want to let you know, you as his creation already bear his majesty. I don't think many infants struggling to find food on their mother have come to a full understanding of Jesus's sacrifice for their lives and have come to trust and know him yet they still scream the majesty of God. You bearing his image, show his majesty. More so than any mountain ever could, more than any other animal ever could, more than any his creation could. God has placed his majesty upon you. He's placed you a little bit lower than his heavenly beings. You have value, you have worth, you have glory of God. But his desire is to redeem you through his perfect love that we saw in Hebrews 1 and 2 into a unified relationship with him. He is enough for you, and he is with you. So my prayer is that all of us can truly receive the majesty of Christ's love as we close this out. Um, y'all can come back up, Bannon. We're going to do communion here in a second. Um, is that we can, we can receive the majesty of, Christ, of Christ's love and then also be the proclaimers of his majesty. I would hope, like, man, my, my, my prayer for me when I walk into Austin life and for y'all when y'all walk into Austin life is that your draw drops more than when you see a mountain. You come to church, and you're like, man, these people bear the majesty of the Lord. And you're like, man, I, I kind of want to do that. And you go out, and you bear the majesty of the Lord. And as we go together, and we go to an announcement that's happening later, Barton Springs this evening, and we're swimming, and we're having a good time, people go, there's something really cool about that. That's like looking at a mountain. Because It should. That's what David saw. He was like, man, just the simple, like, simplicity of a child shows the majesty of the Lord. Who am I that you come and visit me? I don't know, but you did, and you redeem me. And he ends this psalm once again by just saying, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name. So I want us to read this one last time, and then we will take communion together. Psalm 8. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babies and infants. You have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, 
and the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the depths of the sea. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.